And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. The Athletic. The speculation about Lionel Messi's future is no more. He's announced where he'll be spending the next and likely final chapter of his illustrious career, having bid farewell to Paris Saint-Germain. He's not making an emotional return to Barcelona. He's not going to play with Cristiano Ronaldo in Saudi Arabia. Instead, he's heading to Inter Miami, the MLS franchise owned by David Beckham. But why is the world's greatest ever player going to the team that's currently rock bottom of the Eastern Conference? What does the move mean for the growth of soccer in America? Why has Messi snubbed the Saudis? And did Barcelona ever stand a chance of getting him back? I'm Adam Leventhal and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Away from two, three, four. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. How good is he? And we know that he's had an offer on the table for some time now from into Miami. Uh, David Beckham's club, of course, and indeed from Saudi Arabia. The world's best soccer player, Lionel Messi, stunning the world to come to Major League Soccer and play for Inner Miami. Now he's just coming off a World Cup championship. A breath, a heartbeat. So Lionel Messi is off to Miami, but is he going there to follow in the footsteps of Pelé and David Beckham and help the growth of soccer in the US in the build-up to the 2026 World Cup that's hosted there, Canada and Mexico? Or is he simply heading to Florida to play a bit of football as the sun goes down on his glittering career? We'll be hearing from Matt Slater about the blow to Saudi Arabia with this deal and get insight from our Barcelona correspondent in Catalonia, Paul Balus. But first, I'm joined by Felipe Cardenas, one of the Athletics soccer writers. Felipe, great to speak to you. So, Messi is on his way. He's long been linked with a move to Beckham's Miami. What's the reaction been like in the US since the move became official? I would probably compare it to Beatlemania, but he hasn't arrived yet. You know, So I think when he arrives and he's actually here in the States and settling in Miami, that's when we're going to see you know, what this, what the true reaction is like. But I mean, I think from a media perspective, it's dominated the headlines here. You know, even, even networks that don't typically cover football, are obviously covering the messy news. Uh, I think for MLS and, and and just sort of being in the Twitter 
ecosystem of, of Major League Soccer, you're they're getting a lot of buzz. You know, Messi Messi choosing MLS, I think, has given momentarily the you know the the, Amer- the top division in American football here uh, a lot of credibility just because that they were able to land this player. But again, it's still a growing league. But I think we're just in the midst of what the true reaction is going to be like. It is certainly dominated every news cycle everyone from network tv to 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 uh, morning shows like i mentioned before networks that don't typically cover the sport want reaction now as we know he's not going to be coming cheap what is it taken to get this deal over the line can you give us any idea on on how it's being funded yeah, I think this this is still a developing story, but you know, the athletic, my colleagues Paul Tenorio and Pablo Maurer and I, what we broke on Tuesday night, and and Paul and Pablo did a lot of the heavy lifting here in terms of that reporting. But what we were able to to report is that yeah, there are three brands involved here. One, obviously MLS. You know, every the one thing that our listeners should know: every player that comes to Major League Soccer, yes, they are they are paid by the club, and the transfer fee is taken care of by the club, but they become MLS employees, and so. That's a big deal for Messi because MLS just signed a big deal with Apple, a 10-year, $2.6 billion media rights deal with Apple. And what we were able to report is that Messi would be able essentially there's a deal on the table for Messi to earn profit sharing from that deal, from the MLS streaming deal with Apple. There are also in talks of app, just simply Apple working on their own deal with Lionel Messi that they just reported, they just released uh, a teaser for a, a docu-series that they'll, that they've been filming over the years with him. Obviously Apple is one of the most powerful tech companies in the world. So any sort of stake in that company, any sort of profit sharing from Apple is going to be massive for him long-term. And then Adidas, as well adidas has been a partner with with messi since i believe 2005 he has signed a lifetime contract with adidas he's probably adidas's top athlete and they're not working with major league soccer in order to get this deal done but they are enticing him to come here with new sponsorship deals and also a bit of profit sharing from them and so if if you remember what happened with nike and michael jordan uh, that that became the play there, you know, stock, stocks and profit sharing with Nike. And obviously that is ballooned to to, you know, I think numbers that we couldn't even comprehend. And let's concentrate on the sporting perspective of this. They've just sacked Phil Neville as their manager, their bottom, as we mentioned, of the Eastern Conference. What do you suspect Messi's thoughts will be regarding on pitch matters? And do you think he'll have an input on who's going to be the next boss? Well, let's start with the first part. You know, I've said publicly that many times that I, I, Phil Neville was never going to be the manager that was going to entice and lure Lionel Messi to Miami. It just wasn't going to happen. It always felt like he was a temporary, you know, stopgap in this project. And he, after last season, when he was able to essentially lead Miami into the Major League Soccer playoffs, barely they scraped in. Uh, his his con- Phil Neville's contract was extended just one year, and then this year, obviously, they they they're one of the worst teams in the league. They're bottom of the table in the Eastern Conference. They, they I think they're the, one of the lowest scoring teams in league history at this point, and so he was not going to last long, and he didn't. So that that's one thing. I think they're now the the the, the stories of nepotism between David Beckham hiring his his, his good buddy Phil Neville. That can now go away. That was an off the off the field story that just wouldn't go away, and now it's a vacant spot. And and I was I reported on Tuesday night that Inter Miami is in talks with 
Tata Martino, the Argentine manager, 60-year-old manager who coached Lionel Messi both at Barcelona for a season in 2013-2014 and during two Copa Americas with Argentina. Right now, Tata Martino is the front runner. And, and yes, will, will Messi, will he have a say? I think he's going to have a lot of say in the sporting project at Miami because it's a young club. It's a four-year-old club that hasn't gotten off the ground well that needs experience, needs expertise, both on the field and off of it. And and, and Messi is, has earned that. And, and if anything, I think he'll respect the decision that Tata Martino could be the next coach. I think this has to be an experienced hire, has to be someone that can manage a personality like Lionel Messi. And, and, and again, just FYI, Tata Martino, even though his, his cycle with Mexico ended poorly after elimination in the first round of the World Cup, he did win an MLS Cup with Atlanta United in 2018. So he, he's very prepared. He knows the league. And I think that deal would be the mo- the one that makes the most sense for Inter-Miami. And just a final one. Do, do you suspect, having seen what David Beckham did, what, 20 years ago now to LA Galaxy, that, that Messi is going to be able to have the same impact or an even greater impact? Every network has been asking that question. Every radio show, TV show, it's the big question. Will will this will Messi's move to MLS eclipse David Beckham's? And I think it will. I think it already it already has. Honestly, he hasn't even signed the documents yet, and it's already much bigger. But that doesn't mean that what Beckham did should be just minimized. It was a revolutionary sign. And if you go back to when he came in 2007, he was 31 years old. David Beckham. He was coming from Real Madrid. Okay, and it was massive massive news for the US it was it was being covered the same way the Messi signing is being covered it would the, you know there were there was media from around the world that came and clamored to get a shot of David Beckham i just think that the way the league has grown at the time there were just over maybe a dozen teams you know now there are 29 teams and so that's more media coverage and they're just we all know what what it's like on social media and the money that is in football right now and and just what what Lionel Messi demands and commands as far as as a brand himself. I think it's just going to be incredibly huge. It'll be bigger than when Pelé came to the NASL in the 70s and and did his job of growing the sport in America too. I just think Messi is just too big of a figure globally. And you're right. You know, Bex is the most famous pop culture footballer I think ever, but Messi is considered the greatest player ever. He just has to play well. Everyone talks about Leo Messi being happy where he is. If he's not happy in Miami and the team is poor, you know, that could overshadow a lot of things. Felipe, thank you so much. You can hear much more from him and all of our US writers at theathletic.com. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub. 
an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Now, at the start of the week, it seemed inevitable, didn't it, that Messi would be following Cristiano Ronaldo and Karim Benzema and a few others that are bubbling under at the moment to head to Saudi Arabia. Not least because Messi already is a very, very handsomely paid tourism ambassador for the kingdom. But... In the week that the Gulf State announced huge plans for their domestic league, which was discussed in depth, you'll remember, on Thursday's episode of the Athletic Football Podcast, and effectively, let's not forget that, took over an entire sport by merging Gulf's PGA and Live Tours, Messi's decision to turn down a reported annual salary of $400 million, let me say that again, $400 million has come as a little bit of a slap in the face to the Saudis. Our football news reporter, Matt Slater, can bring us more. Matt, this is a a huge move, isn't it? And in a week dominated by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, known as PIF, investing massive money in sport, is this a a bit of a counterpunch from MLS? Well, I suppose it it looks that way, doesn't it, because of the timing. But uh, I think in truth, both of these things have been in train for for a while. So the timing is a little bit coincidental in many ways. You know, Saudi Arabia's plan to certainly overhaul the Saudi Pro League has been it's been in the offing for a while. I mean, it goes back to sort of 2015, 2016 they started working on this plan. Of course, the thing has changed a few times and um, it's probably really only like properly aggressively with complete focus for about a year or so. And then on the US side, the timing's similar. You know, it's this this messy idea has been out there for a long, long time. I mean, I first started thinking about it, reading about it, I think in about 2019. I certainly wrote about it myself two years ago. You know, the the whole Miami concept goes and and, Miami, and, and that Messi could play a role there is not a new story. 
And of course, you know, Messi is now basically out of contract. You know, it's it's uh, he had a two year deal with 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 PSG that, that expires this summer. He had to go somewhere, uh, and it was either going to be Saudi, Barcelona, or, or or Miami. So you know that that's why the that's why it's happened together. I don't think we should sort of see see it as MLS reacting to something that's happened in Saudi Arabia. I think, like I said, various forces happening to come together at the same time. Well, Felipe mentioned the allure of the MLS's deals with the likes of Apple, Adidas. So is it a case of it's not how much you can offer, but what opportunities there are maybe other than salary? You're right. The Saudi Pro League could offer a great big salary. Great big salary. There you go. Guaranteed. What the MLS can offer and what the United States of America can offer is something more nuanced, something far more interesting in many ways. It's a stake. It's profit-sharing stakes. So one in Apple, the big broadcast partner, that was a really big broadcast deal for um, for the MLS when it was announced, 10-year deal, going streaming. I think some of Messi's remuneration, if you like, is going to be, we'll, you, we'll give you, a, we'll give you a, a stake in that. We'll give you... We'll give you some of that business if you bring more business in, and we, you know you'll be able to demonstrate that pretty easily through the data. You can get a take in that. Then you've got Adidas. Now he's been an Adidas athlete for pretty much his entire career. Um, you know, very much one of their main, well, probably their biggest asset. And Adidas have got have been supplying kits for MLS for a while, and they've got like a six-year deal, exclusive deal for all twenty-nine teams. So complete synergy there. Uh, we saw with Beckham a massive boost in terms of commercial revenue, just the number of shirts that he flogged at LA Galaxy, but actually boosted the entire league's merchandising sale as well. I think we're going to see that again with Messi, probably with bells on. So he gets a cut of that too. So Matt, look, we've we've mentioned Miami's struggles on the pitch earlier on in the show, but they're not now going to need to worry about selling match day tickets at their 18,000 capacity stadium. It's now just surely a question of improving that infrastructure, building a couple of extra stands. Well, it's a really interesting question, right? And this this is going to pose massive questions to the MLS and that kind of really softly, softly incremental approach I, I mentioned in my first answer. So if we go back to the NASL years and the early MLS years, they basically the, the teams played in college football stadiums, college you know, NFL and college football stadiums. And uh, the experience wasn't great. They, they were just, the stadiums were too big. And they weren't they weren't designed for for football for soccer, so what the MLS did, and I think it was a really really good move, was they started to really push soccer specific stadiums. They started to make that kind of a like a, almost a rule, guys. You know, for new franchises, but for the, the existing lot as well. Please, can you build stadiums that look like football stadiums and are the proper size? And there's been a kind of like MLS size stadium is about twenty to thirty thousand. And whilst, you, as you say, into Miami's current stadium is actually in Fort, Fort Lauderdale, which is a good old drive north of Miami, and it's 18,000. But that's because it's, te- it's meant to be temporary. They, they want one downtown, and they're going to get one, I think, downtown. They certainly will now, I'd have thought. Uh, and I think that's going to be 22, 23,000. It's a bit bigger, but it's, it's a really great location. Miami Freedom Park or something. It's an old golf course, I believe. So they're going to get a cool stadium. But yeah, I mean, they could probably sell it twice over for messy games, as could nearly every game they go to, the away teams as well. So you could have this strange scenario now. Well, not strange. It would, it would kind of make sense, I guess, to a degree, 
where MLS teams may want to play an occasional game at an old NFL, well, at an NFL stadium or a college football stadium again, you know, almost sort of borrowing a stadium because Messi's in town and we'll get 50,000, 60,000. Now, how long that would last and whether they all want to do that, I don't know whether they can all do that because it does sort of depend on availabilities of stadiums and do you want to hire them for, for one? You know, there'll be lots of like considerations to make. So there, there are a couple of possible approaches there, but you're right, this, this does change the equation. Matt, thank you very much. Much more from Matt on this story and a whole host of others at theathletic.com. Now, Messi's decision led to a fair amount of bitterness emanating from his former club, Barcelona. He spent 21 years there. He won 32 major trophies before his two-year stint in France at PSG. Now, Barca issued quite an entertaining statement wishing him well, while also suggesting that he was going to a league with fewer demands and less pressure. Well, Paul Balus is the Athletics man in Barcelona Paul, what did you make of that statement? Everyone is like, uh, everyone in the club wants to make clear or evident that they did their best to try to bring Messi back. That's a priority in Barcelona. There's going to be like a battle of narratives here because someone has to take the blame of why Messi is not joining Barcelona. Um, if it's because Barcelona, if it's because of Messi and, or if it's because of La Liga and Barcelona are kind of playing their, their role. I can see the point of making a statement, then we can judge or someone can believe that it was embarrassing. So some fans probably will will believe that it was a good statement. But I can see the point of like speaking out because the whole fan base was invested on that. And that was like the pivotal part of the planning that Barcelona has for the transfer window. Um, but yeah, um, I read it more like Barcelona trying to prove themselves that they tried and that they are still like a great club and that Messi is sort of a Barca fan, that the only option that he had in, in Europe was Barcelona and they wanted to, yeah, just to highlight this, also like to highlight the name of the club. How close do you think he was to coming back to Barcelona? The club did say that they made a concrete offer. Do you know if that's, if that's true? I think, like, on the first question, I think it was always more like a dream than, than, than a reality. Because if you look like at the numbers, at the rules that they are subjected, at the salary limits that they have, you cannot see a logical way to see it happening. I mean, if you speak to La Liga, there's people in La Liga that they, I mean, they couldn't see a way of Barcelona being able to afford Messi. But there's the, also this point with Barcelona that illogical things can happen. We saw it like last summer when like people in Barcelona, like the president John Laporte, or like when like the club is really pushing for something, they can sometimes make it happen. Uh, but that wasn't the case. I mean, it was like too, too difficult. I think that the club, I think that the club didn't move like on the direction to make it happen now because they knew that they couldn't. And all their chances like relied on Messi just investing everything on them and just waiting whatever it takes just to get it resolved or just to get it done. And Messi was not was not with this mindset after what happened in 2021 when Barcelona told him to wait to sign the extension. He waited and out of the blue, he had to leave the club because the financial situation was not allowing him to stay. Then, um, about sending an offer. Um, yeah, but I mean, Barcelona could send an offer, and I was told 
from people that have been close to the negotiations that the sort of salary that me that Messi would have at Barcelona was sort of agreed. But what Barcelona cannot offer or send were guarantees of Messi being registered. That's the key of it. So club needs to sell before making a registration, like a new registration of a player. But no one is sold right now. They have their plans on who is going to be sold. They have a list of potential departures and everything. But all these players are under contract. They can stay at the club if they want to. They can stick to their contracts. So club is going to have to work hard to just to find like the suitable place to go for those players. And they don't really know like the timings of it, how it's going to pan out, um, if the players are going to make negotiations like on the long game. So Barcelona cannot control this and Messi didn't want to be subjected to that. And there was an interesting element to the statement, aside from maybe the, the snidey little remark about the quality of MLS, that there is a suggestion that there will be some sort of tribute now that Messi isn't going to be playing for Barcelona. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's something that Messi has inside him, like the fact that he couldn't have a proper farewell at the club. Because when he left, it was COVID times. Uh, and with the pandemic, like a big event wasn't allowed to take place, of course. And he wants to have that. He wants to like feel the love of the crowd. And like Barcelona fans, they just can't wait for that, to be honest. And at the same time, this was the excuse that Joan Laporte used to make contact with, with Jorge Messi at the start of all this saga. Like he called Jorge Messi to try to discuss like a potential tribute at some point for Messi in his career and just to be revered as he deserved for all the Barca fans. And that's how he started like amending these kind of broken bridges that happened like on 2021 when Messi left. Um, and it was like the excuse just to start speaking about the, the potential re return. And now, of course, that, the, that his departure to, to Miami is confirmed, the intentions from the club are still just to provide Messi with the tribute and the homage that he deserves. Paul, thank you very much indeed. OK, that's it from us. Keep up to date with the very latest news about Messi, Inter Miami and all the other transfers this summer by signing up to The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Mark Chapman is going to be back on Monday to review the Champions League final. Will Manchester City complete their historic treble or can Inter Milan reign on Pep's parade? We shall see. I'm Adam Leventhal. Our producer was Mike Stavrou and this has been The Athletic Football Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. The Athletic.